Bartleby is the premier podcast spotlighting people of color. Every week, we talk news, what we've been playing, and tell you who's invited to the cookout. Our show is all about talking about gaming through a prism of blackness because we are the culture. Welcome to Bukaka, y'all. Yo, what the deal be everybody here in Bricago? What's good? This is Khalif. I'm the host of the Spawn of Me podcast, rocking with y'all here from Bricago. I hope you are all doing well. I hope you are having a wonderful time. Hope you had a wonderful vacation. I hope you had some time to chill. Hope you had some time to relax. I hope you're washing your hands, washing your butt. Hope you were making sure you got vaccinated. Hoping that you did all the stuff you needed to do to make sure that you are keeping you and your family safe. I am excited to rock with you because we have some real dope stuff coming to you this week on the Spawn Me podcast with Khalif Adams. If you missed last week's show, you missed a banger. We talked about Alloy's Cheeks from Horizon uh, Forbidden West. Not her butt. Stop being dirty. Stop thinking about booty cheeks. We're talking about her face cheeks. Talking about the ones on her face because all y'all are dirty and nasty, but I love y'all for it. But that's not what we were talking about. Wrong cheeks. I appreciate you. But we talked about that. We talked about uh far cry 6 and the conversation around the political conversation around that game and we talked about dying light 2 which again is um something i'm really excited for uh in the conversation about what we want to get into when we play or what we play i am actually really excited because this week i get to bring on somebody who has become fam in a very short amount of time uh you know how we like to celebrate dope blackness here you know how we like to celebrate amazing artists here you know how we like to bring amazing people who are talented and are brilliant to the show so that all of you can learn a little bit more about them and all the work that they do in this space if you listen to our show on a weekly basis you understand the dopeness that is our opener our show opener makes me extremely happy it is the thing that ramps me up and hypes me up for the show it is the thing that every episode that you listen to on the stream and you listen to in podcast land is the thing that ushers you into our show literally you have this man welcoming you you welcoming you 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 to Bricago. i tried to say a word and i couldn't get it right because i damn damn missed it but his job is to get the words right and sound dope well. He does it. So I want to bring all of you, the man, the myth, the legend, award-winning actor and VO artist, the voice of Bricago, my man, my mellow, the smooth kind of fellow. It is that dude, Eli Harris. What the deal be, brother Eli? I hope you are doing well. What's good, fam? How you doing? Welcome to Bricago, yo. Oh, snap. Good, yo, huh? he did it. He did it. He did it. <laughs> hey, I had to hit it live, right? He hit it live. Oh, snap. He did it live. He did it live. Yo, 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 yo. I, I'm excited to have you here. Um, again, I, I think, you know, for the folks who, who are at home, who are not watching this um, on Twitch, which you should be doing every Wednesday, 6 p.m. PST, twitch.tv slash one of me, you should be doing that anyway. Um, you are missing out on seeing my fam Eli Harris in his booth right now coming to you live spitting these bars for all of you uh at home I I want to first of all thank you for using your talents for our show I think you know one of the things that I've really appreciated about you is that you are such a humble genuine human being I think that that has been something that I've noticed 
in our time working together, we've had a couple of projects that we worked on besides Spawn on Me. We did you did you did our opener for Spawn on Me, and you also helped to VO and to MC the Black and Gaming Awards last year, which was phenomenal to work on you with that project. So. Again, I want to I want to give you props and kudos for 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 bringing your talents to the table uh, and helping us get better with the work that we do while we spotlight and celebrate blackness in the video game industry. So, thank you, fam, for that. Um, it, it means a lot for you for, for us to be able to do this work with you. And uh, in, in this show, I hope we'll get a chance to even dig into a little bit more of how you got in the space and and, and, and the work that you've been doing. So, I want I want to give you the the stage real fast to talk about who is Eli Harris. Give the people at home a little bit about you, about how dope you are and the work that you bring to the table. <laughs> yeah, first of all, thanks, man. It's it's dope to be on this platform. Uh, the things that you do, bro, is is amazing. Um, you, you, you shed a whole uh, light onto the gaming industry from our perspective. You get the dope interviews. And I mean, heck, you had uh, Morgan Webb, you know, Adam Sessler, <laughs> you know, so um, I, I, you know, just to work with you and, and what you bring to the table for our people in gaming, you know, is uh, is a great thing. So I'm honored to be on your podcast, man. I really appreciate it. Dude, I, I, it is the pleasure is all mine. Again, we have been chopping it up behind the scenes and trying to figure out ways to make this happen. It's always we've been like little bits of sh ships in the night uh, trying to get to each other to make the thing happen. But um, I think everybody at home um, you know, we've talked about this often on our show about wanting to make sure we're giving space for folks who are, again, not only doing good work, but working at the top of the of, of, of the pyramid. Folks who are like really doing work that is outstanding and stands out in a way that um, you don't really see in, in other spaces. And I think your work exemplifies that all the time. I get a chance to peek in and we chat, we chat, we get on the phone and we're like, yo, and you're like, yo, I did this new project. Yo, you heard this new joint. Like, and I'm like, oh snap, you killed it. But VO working and being an actor in this space, there's an origin story for that, right? I know that there's a place you don't just start out with a booth. You just don't start out jumping into doing VO work in this way. Give the folks at home a little bit of info about where you started, you know, where you grew up, where you kind of got into this work and, and, and how you started to do it. Oh, you know, it's it's funny because, you know, I initially started off in um, acting. You know, I started off in theater, uh, being a, a child with, you know, ADD and, you know, my in martial arts, you know, so those two are still my passions to this day. And, um, you know, I did it throughout school and whatnot. And, you know, life happened, went into the military and whatnot. But, you know, when I got back out, you know, I buried my mother because my mother passed and everything. Um, I tried to do the whole, you know, the, the whole nine to five deal. And, you know, I worked at an architecture firm and, you know, did different things. But the arts was just always my calling. And, um, you know, even as a kid, it's something I always talked about doing. Uh, so really, before doing voice work, I was doing on camera you know, huh. on camera acting and um, done several movies, TV shows or whatnot. And, you know, I decided that I, I wanted to do voice work. I wanted to do video games. You know, me being a gamer, you know, uh, it was something that came natural for me. Now, don't get it twisted. It ain't that easy to get into. Like, even now, I know that things are a lot more accessible than it used to be, you know, because before you really had to, you know, rely on going to studios, this, that, and the third, which you still do for like the major things. 
But now it's, you know, it's a lot of stuff you do from home. Um, it's a lot easier to get equipment, you know, to do things than it was before. Um, but it, it's still work to um, do the, the, the upper echelon top tier things. Yeah, I, it's 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 one of those things of like, I I have I've grown to have a much better perspective and appreciation for the work that you and other folks do in this space. Not after after having hosted a couple of shows this year, um, you know, it is not easy to uh change inflection and give different takes and learn how to do that kind of work you know natively it is not it's not easy it takes time to get to know your own instrument and understand how you can evoke emotions when people may not necessarily be able to see you while doing you know other characters and stuff like that what's it like to you know you talked about your theater background what's it like to learn how to kind of be that chameleon when you need to be that chameleon for the work that you need to do to be able to, you know, figure out how to hit those ranges or lower your voice or to get that intonation that you need to kind of get what your client is looking for, as opposed to how you naturally are. See, it's great. It's, I like the fact that you brought that up because here's the thing about it too. There's a lot more that we do to just cut on the mic and record. And I think that's a real big misconception of what goes on in our business. Like, you know, there's a lot of people that's trying to get into VO now. And, you know, if that's your thing, that's your thing. But it's not just cutting on the mic. You know, having a voice, like I'll have people that message me and say, hey, you know, I got a great voice. I want to get the voice, you know, voiceovers, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, there's so much more than that because there's the acting part to it. And not everybody has that. And I know that some people say, you know, those are things that can be learned. There's some things to me, in, in my opinion, you just have or you don't have, mm. you know, like I play basketball, I play football, I play pretty much everything. I would never be on an NBA team. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like as much as I ball, and I still ball to this day. I still play with my peoples. We go, you know, we go to different gyms, different courts, ball out. I'm not going to be on the NBA team no matter how much I want it, yeah. you know, because I'm, I'm just not of that caliber of basketball player, nor do I have the necessary height requirements. You know, I'm pushing five eleven and a half. You know, um, for me, I would be like a Muggsy Bose if I was in the league right now. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Same, same. Um, so, so it's there's a lot more work that goes into this than I think people understand, and the editing that goes on. Um, you know, there are easy ways to do it, which some people they'll use filters and certain things, but what that does is it takes away the vocal quality. You know. Um, I personally, I manually edit, you know, and there are certain tricks and things that I've learned um, throughout my course of doing this. Editing takes time. You know, it's mm. something that you really have to have a passion for to truly understand on, you know, what, what people usually hear, they hear the final product. They'll hear that the polished commercial or the polished video game or the polished animation. They don't realize the breaths you have to take out, the mm. mouth clicks you have to take out, the plosives you have to take out, you know. You, you have to EQ it properly so that everything is balanced. You know, there's so much work that goes to this. Um, and you have to have a passion if you really want to do this, if you really want to make a career out of it and have some type of longevity, because the game is tight right now. Mm. Like you got so many people that's coming into this. The game is tight. You know, the waters, the waters are somewhat getting muddied. You know, I think it's a good, it's, I think it's a good thing that there are other talents that are coming in. 
but you also have to be prepared and, and be ready to be in this for the long haul. You know, yeah. it's not one of those get rich quick things. Like you can have a great voice. You can have the greatest voice. You, know, you can sound like Barry White. But if you can't take that direction that the director gives you, it don't matter. So huh. to address the other thing that you said to me, for me, what, what I do is I, 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 one, I have an emotion wheel. Mm. And a client actually gave this to me that I did an animation for. Never heard of it before. But it's this wheel that has these different colors and different emotions. And it kind of helps guide you into how to tap into certain emotions and certain feelings. Mm. Um, me, I also tap into life experiences because I've been through a lot in my life. Um, the fact that I'm still here talking to you is, is a blessing and a miracle. Um, by all accounts, I've been through some things that I probably shouldn't be here, you know, but the most high saw fit to keep me here. Mm. Um, so I'm able to tap into personal experiences. And I think even with people who have not been through stuff, there are ways to tap into emotions uh, to draw that element out of you, you know, to where you can perform. Um, and I think it also helps that when you deal with clients, not every client gets everything across to you the way uh they should, but it's your job as the voice artist to kind of read it between the lines and help get them there too. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I, it's interesting because for the first time ever, I had to take direction while doing a project and it mm -hmm. threw me way off because I just didn't know what they were asking me, right? It was like, it makes sense when you hear it. You're like, I need you to hit this word in this way with this kind of inflection or this kind of feeling. And it makes you feel like a freaking robot. Cause you just like, well, I don't know how I feel. I don't know what emotion is like. It's that kind of thing where you're like, you're used to be able to having that emotion when it comes out naturally, but asking someone yeah. to pull that emotion or to, to like tap into that emotion instantly, it gives me such a bigger um, appreciation for, for, for the work that you do and other uh, other folks do in this space to be able to do that. I love how you talked about, you know, your personal experiences and kind of how you are able to tap into that um, and, 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 and kind of get there when you need to. Is there a version of that where you have learned to kind of harness that in that way? Do you have to you have to like ramp up for that kind of stuff depending upon it? Like, hey, Eli, we want this really emotional scene. Do you have to like go in a corner and like think about something sad and then like come back out? Is it some of that stuff or is it like you're it good enough now where you can just be like, I know what that is and this is what I need to do to get there? It depends on what the project is. Mm. You know, the crazy thing um, which you mentioned, like, for instance, I used to struggle with doing conversational stuff. Huh. And it's like you would think like conversational shouldn't be that difficult to do. But we don't listen to ourselves when we talk to people. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's like when you sit here and you talk, it's kind of like, do I actually sound like that? Or do I actually talk like that? Like, yeah. how do I have a conversational piece with somebody via script? And then oftentimes we'll get dialogue. That's not natural dialogue. Like, I don't talk like this. So right. how am I going to be conversational with verbiage that I don't even use? Mm -hmm. You know, um, those type of things, you know, you really need coaching. And it's one of those things that it took humility for me to admit, yo, I need some coaching on this shit. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm, I'm a very prideful person. I'm humble. Like you said, like, I'm not a braggadocious person at all. Yeah. 
But there are things, there are certain things that each of us, even the most humble person, feel prideful about. You know, there's things that we feel mm. really good about. And um, that's one of those things where it took me talking to fellow VO peers, straight shooters. I, when you're in a business like this, you'll have a lot of people that want to, you know, sugarcoat or kind of make you feel good. I like dealing with people that are straight up with me. Like mm. if my stuff sucks right now, just tell me my stuff ain't on point. That way I, I'll know what I need to do to sharpen it. You know what I'm saying? Because mm. it doesn't do me any good. So um, certain things I had to have coaching on. And even when I do, you know, certain animation stuff that I'm not used to getting out of my comfort zone with, I have a couple of VO coaches that I reach out to that specialize in animation. And mm. I'll call them up like, yo, I got this joint for Nickelodeon. I'm getting ready to, you know, read whatever, blah, blah, blah. I need help because I'm not able to get there on my own. Mm. Um, some things um, some things just came really naturally for me, um, like the video game stuff, promo, some commercial, some certain commercial stuff, you know, um, like the high energy reads. Yeah, I'll get those sometimes, but that's just not me. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, like plucky kind of stuff. This is like, hey, I'm so, like that kind of stuff. Or is yeah, it like like the, the the Uber Eats guy? You know, <laughs> I, I can't. That's not me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I I'll do the you know slow motion steak. Chili's is back, baby, back, baby, back. Like I'll do that. Yeah, but I'm just not the Home Depot guy. You, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I love that. I love that. But here's the thing: is like when you think about that as a concept too, which I think I love the fact that you said that because as a as a person who is a consumer or a person who has watched commercials forever, I don't think a lot of people understand how different the the again the intonation and the emotion and the inflection is to go from a um you know chili's commercial to a kind of somber all state commercial you know you've been you just got into an accident we're here for you kind of kind of thing as opposed to like we have this new steak sandwich that we want to get to you like there's differences in the way you get to that layer of you know, your voice parts of that stuff, but you've learned over the the years in, in practice and learning and honing your craft of like, you can now do both of those in, in, in the same body. You know what I mean? Like you can, you can be all those things at the same time. How uh, do you feel like there are um, ways that you can kind of like get there um, better. Like you talked about coaching as, as a part of one aspect of that, but mm -hmm. are you also like watching other people's stuff to say like, there's a thing yes. here I like, but I don't like that part. Let me, let me add this tool to my toolbox as opposed to this other stuff. I'm a person that, that studies, like I love reading. Um, mm -hmm. I'm a person that researches, I research my ass off. And even when I'm not recording, I'm watching content. I have certain peers that I take a look at their work um, because they all have certain things in their vocal wheelhouse that I don't quite have yet. You mm. know what I'm saying? Like it's there, but it needs to be fine tuned. So there are certain things that I listen to or that I pay attention to where it's like, okay, this is what they did. Or I'm, I'm hearing what they did here, you know, and sometimes I'll, you know, I'll reach out to them. Like that's the beauty of the VO community is that's different than the on screen. Yo, let me tell you, I got stories I could tell you about the on-screen stuff, dog, <laughs> but I'm not even going to go there right now. 
Um, and don't 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 get don't get it twisted. There are some you know there's certain types of people in VO too. Like nothing's perfect, but for the most part, the VO community is mad helpful, um, especially when you deal with certain people um, that are willing to take you and be like, okay, this is how I did this, blah blah blah, and they're willing to work with you. And not mm. everything is a charge. Like some people want to charge for everything. You know what I'm saying? And I'll talk with people um, that that will reach out to me. And I might not spend an entire hour with you. Sure. But I'll give you like 15, 20 minutes worth of nuggets or whatever that I've learned to make your job a little bit easier. Um, but yeah, it, it really does. It really does. To get back to your question, it really does depend. I I had this session yesterday um, with this client. And I, I can't mention the, the project. Sure. But I literally did like six different types of vo for this guy um it, it went from you know the regular voice like this to hey you know and it was just yeah. like this roller coaster and not that it was it didn't really fatigue me but it was kind of like wow like i think this guy really wants you know the, well these it was a team of people on microsoft team like they really want a wide range of options with this yeah. like normally it'll be like this is where we want to go with this Let's hear what you have, and then we'll take it from there. And they'll yeah. give you the direction, like, you know, change this line or whatever, blah, blah, blah. This one was kind of like here, 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 here. Yeah. You know, and uh, things like that is fun because it's challenging. But um, it, it just, it depends. It really yeah. does depend. Um, one of the things that I love that we get a chance to chop it up behind the scenes about is your love of video games. Um, I know you are a huge game head. I know you love video games. We were talking about uh, uh, Castlevania right before the show started, and, and all the kind of stuff that you love in there. How you know? Talk about your your love for gaming and your love for for wanting to do stuff in that space too. Video gaming was my equalizer growing up. Yeah. Um, I remember when my parents bought me the Nintendo Entertainment. Well, the first system I got, <laughs> the first system I got was the Tandy Color Computer Three. Yeah. Not many people going to remember what that was, but it was a uh, Radio Shack had these computers, man, and everything was DOS. Came with a book this thick, dog. And <laughs> you had to type in the commands just to have this little computer monitor dance across the screen, pixelized, right? Then I got the Atari 2600. Then I got the Nintendo. It was it was a wrap after that, man. <laughs> and, um, I've, I, I've been a, a hardcore gamer since then. Um, used to compete in Street Fighter. When Street Fighter 2 came out, especially uh -huh. when Champion Edition came out, I was straight murking people. Um, I, it's it's one of those things, Ninja Gaiden, which is my favorite game. Mm -hmm. um, I, people don't know that I'm because I, I I keep a lot of my personal life to myself. I don't sure. put much of my personal life out there. Um, so even if you Google me or search me, you'll find all the professional stuff. I don't have anything personal out. But one thing I don't mind sharing is I have an arcade in my house. Yeah. Um, my, one of my hobbies is building arcade machines. So, you know, I have uprights, I have cocktail cabinets, I have a racing cockpit. I took an old Monaco GP cabinet and completely converted it. I think I shared the pictures of that with you, didn't I? Yeah, yeah, I did see it. It's, the, um, it's dope. It's yeah, super cool. I, I, I put the whole Tron theme on it, but um, I'm working on a light gun cabinet right now. I bought an old <sighs> Time Crisis 2 cabinet Ooh. and... Uh, gutted the whole thing out my my sons actually worked with me on it and um 
got custom graphics and everything. So I already ordered my send in light gun. Do you know about the send in light yes! gun? Yes. I, yeah. I didn't, I didn't so, know you real that. Yo, that's dope. Yeah. Well, I'll, so I took two old to where they work like the aim tracks. But then the send in joints came out. So I ordered two of the recoil send in light guns yeah. for my light gun cabinet. Already got everything ready for it, just waiting for my guns to come in. Ooh, so um, that's what I'm talking yeah. about. That's what I'm yeah, talking so. about. I, I I mean, it's again, <laughs> like I think the thing that I love about um, working with you and learning more about your love for all of this is that I think in the gaming industry we have a lot of people who are like are like gaming adjacent, but they don't actually mm -hmm. game. Right. They're like, oh, I work on a yeah. thing. I may not necessarily you know, play the thing or I may, you know, know about gaming stuff, but I don't necessarily like live it in that same way. But you like live it. You are in it. You've been gaming forever. You've been playing the stuff. So, you know, you know, you're watching the E3 stuff. You're watching the coverages. You're watching all the conversations about about all that stuff that's happening in that space. Is there um, because I think. I think you told me that I think this was not well. You've done gaming work before, and we're going to show a little piece of something that you worked on, which I think is fascinating for the folks at home, especially if you're here on Twitch watching this. Um, but you haven't really gotten a chance to work on like like I think and tell me if I'm wrong, like big big major major games yet, or you you have worked on a couple in this in the in the mix, right? Yeah, I've I get a decent share of games um huh. but it's the triple a titles like that you know that i'm really trying to trying to you know get higher on um there's a couple that i have done some things for yeah and i'm not at liberty to say that either sure but um yeah those are the ones that i really want to you know have more in my portfolio because I'm, I'm just a diehard gamer yeah, you know, and those type those games they they need my voice. Yeah, you know, they, I, they, they they need they need me. They need you. They need you. They need you. They I agree. I agree. I agree. Uh, everybody, I do, get, I do get a good share of games. Yeah, I want I want I want to showcase some of the work that you did. I think that this is um uh, this is one of those cool mo moments when I get to act like a late night radio uh, late light show host when I'm like now Eli we get to roll the clip of you being on the show <laughs> um this is this is fantastic so uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna roll this piece of video and this is you in the middle of a session uh for mm -hmm. a game and the character that you're playing is a is a is a redneck character um yeah i i love this because again it shows your range and i think that that's an important thing because once we come back from this the thing i want to talk about is there's a lot of conversation in the game space about who gets cast for things when folks are cast out of race for characters and how mm -hmm. some of that conversation works in the vo circles because i think that's the thing that is super fascinating and i would love to hear your thoughts on that after we roll this quick clip we're going to play probably like a minute and a half, two minutes of it, and then we'll come back from that and, uh, and I'll ask you some of those questions. So check this out really quick. Uh, this is Eli in the moment doing his thing. Uh, we're gonna show it right about now. All right, 
let me go ahead and get into character real quick. <laughs> now go ahead and get ready to line out Bucky. <laughs> All right. Well, hot dog. Ain't my first rodeo. Gander that. Kicking up dust. Time for you to catch up. Dang, it! I'm getting smoked. Must have popped the tire. Oh, buddy. This ain't good. See you, brother. Afternoon. Top of the morning. Pardon me, hoss. Another dead. Ha <laughs> ha. This ain't a tailgating party. That's a fender bender. Finally, some money. That's what I'm talking about. Don't mind getting my hands dirty. Hope I land in a big puddle. Found me a pothole. Slipped and fell. Whoopsie daisies. See ya. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Right, thanks. Dang it. Oh, shoot. Get off my lawn. About to get tragic. I I love this because <laughs> and thank you for sharing that with me so I could play it on the show today. I think <clears throat> one of the things that I love, first of all, was like, I'm about to find me a puddle. That killed me. I almost <laughs> fell out of my chair. Cause you can that could be such a dirty joke if I wanted that to be a dirty joke. Anyway, oh man! <laughs> but what I love uh, from that clip, and it, it's a longer clip. I think that I think it's like maybe like six minutes or eight minutes long or so. And I didn't really go to the other part of it, but I want to talk to it. Was before we got to that part of the you reading off the chirps, there is a part of that where you're initially talking to the client to say. You know, was it what? How do you want this Bucky character to kind of sound like? How redneck do you want him to be redneck? And then, uh, toward, yeah. you know, after this segment of the the conversation, you go back into it with the client, and you're going through the like back and forth of, all right, here I want you to hit this here. I want you to try to bring me a little bit more here. Give you know you got a chance to watch that live while we're all watching it on stream and, and in podcast land. Talk to me a little bit about what that process is kind of like because I think it's really interesting to see not only how you are going through that like litany of just words that's on a page to get all the lines out, but it feels like there are parts of that that are you know very different in the way that you know when you think of how the work is actually supposed to be done. So there's like some misconceptions there for people who are not used to seeing that work live. What's the, what's the process for you in your head when you're kind of doing that work in that way? Well, first of all, you know, I, I want to give a shout to Daniel Peterson of Baca Bros Entertainment, who chaos cart, you know, which he gave me the permission to share that clip with you. Oh, thank you. That's um, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Great. They're a great team of, uh, of game developers and this is one that's coming out as multi-platform um he get you know he he had he had heard my content um had found me i guess he googled found me and whatnot and um he said hey man i heard your stuff i i got a role for you on my upcoming cart game and you know um i think you'll be great for this redneck character named bucky and i'm like yo that's dope 
because we don't get that much of an opportunity to voice anything that is not stereotypical of our people, huh. you know? Um, so I, I think to voice, have this, this black dude voice a redneck, that's hot. You know what I'm saying? Like that, that's dope. So, um, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm on, you know? And so, uh, we went over a couple things about the character, his background and whatnot. So, um, as getting into the character of it. So do you remember Ernest, the movies, the eighties? Yeah. Ernest. Yeah, you know, yeah. When I found out that I was doing Bucky, I watched some of Ernest goes to camp <laughs> and to listen how he talked. So, you know, like I said, I'm a person that that's a researcher. And so I'll go and listen to things like this just to get an idea of the way to go with it. Um, And so, you know, when he gave me those notes and we was having, you know, the back and forth dialogue about it, I pretty much had in mind where he wanted to go with it. And um, one of the things that I love, you know, when working with clients is when they ask me to change something up, change hmm. something on this. You know, I want to hear something a little bit different or blah, blah, blah. To me, that gives me the opportunity to show what I'm made of and what I can really do, that I'm not just one dimensional. So um, I had I went in into this session with my mind already prepared on what or where I wanted to go with it. Now, the question is, are they going to be okay with it? Mm. You know, cause they already have something in mind. And I think a lot of voice artists, you know, those that are seasoned that has been in the game for a long time could tell you this. Most of the time we pretty much have an idea of what you want to do, mm. you know, and we'll give you what you want, you know, cause it's our job to do what it is that you pay us to do. But, Trust us. We we have a pretty good idea with it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And um and 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 so, you know, oftentimes you'll have clients be like, you know what? I actually like what you did right there. And so they'll marry that with what they had in mind. You see what I'm saying? Mm. And so they so they they end up with an even better product than they imagined through, you know, what they envisioned and the creativity that you bring to it. Um so to to answer your question. I had already had in mind where I wanted to go with it. And I just took the direction and uh, the notes that he had. And I did what he wanted me to do and put a little bit of where, what I felt with it, mm. you know? So it's not me taking over or saying, nah, what you're doing isn't right. It's me saying, I got your vision. Totally understand what you want to do with it. I'm going to give you what you want. And if it's okay, let me add a little bit of me into it as well. Yeah. Most of the time, clients are good with that. Because what they want is authenticity. And they know that if you're being authentic with it, then it's going to come off to the consumer or whoever you're dealing with authentic. Mm. You know? I love that. It's because it, it, it talks to not only the balance between, you know, giving again what the client is asking for and then adding your special sauce on top of that, which is, which is, which is super cool. It also, I love to see the fact that when you talked about getting this role as Bucky that you got so excited because it is something that again, you, you know, black VO artists don't get a chance to do in that way. Do you feel like when you get challenged in that way, that that's even cooler to be able to just be like, Ooh, this is, this is a character or a, an idea or a voice that either maybe I've never done before, or, you know, is maybe a little bit more difficult. It's kind of stretching my range. Uh, to be able to do those kinds of roles too? 
I think any voice artist worth their salt chomps at the bit of doing something that is outside of their realm. Because the last thing we want is to be pigeonholed. You know, mm. we don't want to be looked at as just the Allstate guy or, you know, Arby's. You know, we don't want to just be that. There's so many things that we can do. Like when people hear my, my voice, it's like, you know, yeah, I have that deep voice. I can go as deep as you want me to go. But I can also go up here. You know, yeah. um, there's a lot of a lot of different uh, uh, inflections and things that I can bring. You know, and I think particularly as us as African-Americans and, and people of color, you know, black and brown people, we just want the opportunity to show that we're not just one thing, that we can do a, a myriad of things, you know. So, yeah, I, I think any voice artist that is serious about their career and worth their salt wants to do something like this. They want to do something that is totally outside of the realm of how they are perceived. Mm. Um, I was salivating at this. That's dope. I, I mean, I love that. I mean, and especially, <laughs> no, that's cool because it's like the, 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 and I think again, like folks who are outside of that, that very kind of small and intimate group of actors and VO artists, which, you know, it is, it is not like a massive amount of people who are doing this work around the world. I don't think unless, unless I'm wrong, tell me if I'm wrong or not, but you know, what's that? you know how vast this community is because i know the gaming industry is fairly small but like vo artists and folks who are doing work like that i would think that that is also a very niche part of the overall conversation around actors and and, and actresses too yes and no Hmm. um it's a lot more of us than you think and i think that's where what the issue is is that there hasn't been much of a spotlight on us. You know, when you think about commercials and you think about the games and you think about the animations and you think about the promos and you think about the e-learning and you think about all this content, all that is voice work, mm. you know? And, and, and so we are everywhere. It's just that only certain notable talent will get recognition for it. So you'll know, you know, that Keith David did The Princess and the Frog. You know, you'll know that Mark Hamill did the Joker and, you know, that that you'll know names like that, but you won't know the Eli Harris's or, you know, you know, there's a there's a bunch of us um, out here that are doing this. It's just that we don't really have the light on us like we should. You, you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the video community is pretty freaking large. It, it, huh. it really is. Um and, and I think that's something that we are working hard on shedding a light on um, because we don't get a lot of the credit that we should, you know, mm. for the work that we do, for the amount of work that we do, for the amount of hours that we're in a booth recording until our vocals get raw. You know, there's there's a lot of things that goes unnoticed about this. And it's not so much as a complaint as it is just getting that recognition for what we do and the work that we put in. Yeah. I mean, I know that the conversation has always been, not always been, has been of late in the past couple of years too, where there's been not controversy, but there's been discussions from within the space to say like, you know, if you have a black character, you hope to have a black VO artist doing that work, not only because of the, very special you know brit things that we bring to everything that we do but also there are 
things that are just within that potential maybe like i don't want to say vocal range because that's not what i want but it's like the 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 things that we bring to the table that don't necessarily come across when you get an an artist who may not necessarily be of that race when it's a very particular uh you know angle for that character or for that landing for that voice or for for the story that that character is going to be landing in is that a conversation that's happening within the vo spaces amongst black folk in in the game space or in the it VO is space? it is and you know there are a lot of white advocates um in voiceover Um, where there are a lot of white voice artists that have turned down work. Like they will get work that will come to them for the African-American urban sound, whatever. And they'll turn it down and say, you know, with all due respect, sir or ma'am, you know, I don't feel comfortable doing this. There are plenty of other talented people of color. Like there are a great number of them um, that, that do that. So yes, in the VO community, it's, you know, it's still a lot of work to do. And you'll still get those that complain about it and say, well, it's voice work. Uh, I don't see where the color really matters. Well, if the color didn't matter, we wouldn't be in this situation. Right. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, I, I, like, I actually agree with that. Yes, we're doing voice work. You don't see us. So the voice really shouldn't matter. So then if that's the thought behind it, then we should be having more work, too. Mm. You know? So that's why you get people like uh, I can't remember the, the the brother's name, the the white guy who stepped down from Family Guy. Oh said, yeah, you know, I'm yep. not doing it anymore. Yeah, um, you know, hire someone of color. There, the, the actress that stepped down from her show. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of them that's doing it. So yes, I think that uh, it is the ball has begun to roll. It needs to roll a lot further and build up more of a snowball uh, snowball effect. But it is there and it is being talked about. Yeah. Um. We're almost run out of time for for hanging with you for this episode. We definitely have to bring you back because you're amazingly dope. There are a lot of folks who listen to the show who are in the industry. We have lots of people who listen to this podcast who are in the gaming industry, devs, heads of the companies, all that kind of stuff. If there was a game, I know there's a series, a couple of series of games that you would love to voice. Oh, what are some of the games that you would love or series or IPs you'd love to work on? Uh, that that you can think of, Castlevania. Mm. Um, if they bring Castlevania back, I would love to do that. Um, I'd love to do a Call of Duty. I'd love to do a Gears of War. Um, jeez, I would love to do a Ninja Gaiden. I don't know how it would fit in there, just because <laughs> you know, unless I'm a monster, you know. Um, uh, Skyrim. Oh, oh man, I would love to do a Skyrim. Ooh, the, uh, new, the new Elder Scrolls. Ooh. Yes, yes, I would love to be in that. Um, man, there's so many games. Like, you know, um, anything from Bethesda, and you know, um, gosh, it's Konami. Konami is still doing that thing. Yeah. Right? With that Mercury now, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Is it Mercury Steam now? They, um, doing, they're doing uh, all the Castlevanias, right? I think so. I think so. I think so. But Konami's Capcom. still kicking. Yeah, they're still doing some Capcom stuff. need to holler at me. You know, yeah. Capcom need to go ahead and get me into, you know, Street Fighter 6 or whatever Street Fighter they do next. Um, or if they bring blank, if they bring back Lost Planet, you know. Ooh, uh, yo, Lost yeah. Planet. Ooh, Lost Planet would be so Lost good. Lost Planet was the game. Yes, sir. Oh. Yes, sir. Shoot, they need to bring back Breath of Fire because I love Breath of Fire. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, 
Oh, I got a good question yeah. in chat actually for you. Splinter Cell. I'm sorry, Splinter Cell too. Ooh. Oh God, you would be so good in Splinter Cell. I got a really good question from you in chat actually. Uh, TDH says, a lot of VO artists are also doing motion capture. Would you be down to do that as well? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, because I'm a martial artist. Oh, so yeah. you know, I'm 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 health personified. You know, even at uh turning 45 this year, you know, I'm an active dude. I I'm an athlete. You know, so I would love to do mocap. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So so look, I'm saying, everybody who's listening to the show, you know, I know the dope folks who are listening to the show every week and they peep it. They, I know y'all be in my DMs telling me that the show was good. So I know y'all listening to this episode. Get hit my man, get my man in the booth. Get Eli in there. He is the voice of Chicago. He makes everything dope. One of the best cats on the planet. Really good human being who continues to make dope stuff happen. So Eli, man, fam, uh, again, thank you for, for, for being here tonight. Thank you for continuing to lend your talents to to our show uh and to the stuff that I get a chance to work on. Um, you know, we're we're hoping to bring you back again for the black and gaming awards part deuce uh see if we can get you back in the booth and and, and rock some more stuff we hear but for the folks at home um who are listening right now let folks know how they can get up with you so that they can snag you to be in their next game oh most definitely uh my website is i am eli harris.com um my facebook is facebook.com backslash eli.harris2 uh instagram Mr. Dot Eli Dot Harris, and uh, that's those are the best ways to reach me. Uh, but I am always working, always on my grind. I'm glad that our schedules lined up for me to be able to do this with you. Um, but I mean, for all the game devs that are out there, I am always working and always ready. You see what I'm working with, so I'm I'm definitely that dude. Yeah, get that man in in your next game, man, because Eli Eli is on point. Eli continues to to to, to make Bracago proud with all the work that he does, uh, and of course we'll have to have you back here for for some more stuff when we're when we're knocking it out in the future and making sure we get you uh, back in the booth rocking with us again. So Eli, thank you so much for being here. Uh, everybody at home, we're gonna take a two minute break. I'm gonna grab some water. I'm gonna check the Knicks score and see if we lost so that I can cry, and then we'll be right back after this. <laughs> hey Bracago, Merrick Kay here from Fanbyte. Did you know that Spot On Me is a part of the Fanbyte Podcast Network? We produce a ton of other great shows like Channel F, a podcast where we talk about the games we're playing. Can I just say yeah. how much I would love for there to be a Hitman game that's just about making people experience embarrassing social faux pas, trying to like prank people and make it seem like they had farted or like tripped on something? <laughs> that would be like very good. Dig up weird finds at thrift stores. So the uh, listing says okay. Bung Doctor V64. <laughs> and take your questions about the best jokers. Labars Martin asks, what's the best or coolest weapon ever given to a mech? Gundam Fusion Rebake has a really oh, good- wait, give, me, give me that one more time. Gundam Fusion Rebake. Yo, I heard you. <laughs> Gundam Fusion. <laughs> I personally guarantee that listening to Channel F will make you a better, smarter, more powerful version of yourself. So go to fanbyte.com slash podcasts or search for Channel F on your podcast app of choice today. Improvement not guaranteed. Listening to Channel F may cost you a notification. Welcome back to the Spawn of Me podcast. I'm your host, Khalif Adams. This is the show. If you missed the first part of the episode, you missed a fantastic 
amazing conversation with my man Eli Harris. That cat is the truth. Again, I know a lot of game dev folks listen. I know a lot of folks in this in the industry listen to the show. Hire that dude. He is dope. He continues to bring nothing but fire to the show. Um, we have a couple of things in terms of news. I'm going to run through some of them because some of them I don't care about, but I need to say it on the show because it's reasonable to say it on the show. Nintendo was having a direct uh, on blah, 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 June 15th uh, at noon Eastern. Uh, supposedly it's going to be about a 40 minute show. And then after that, they're going to go into like three hours of gameplay. Uh, the confirmed lineup so far on is for a switch includes Mario golf, super rush project, triangle strategy, legend of Zelda, skyward sword, HD splatoon three Metroid port prime four and a sequel to legend of Zelda breath of the wild just prior to E3. Um, they're, they're, you know, it's mostly going to be a software based conversation. Um, Y'all know I don't really care about Nintendo stuff on the show, so I just needed to say that just to let y'all know that that's a thing. I appreciate it, but I don't really care. So, anyway, uh, shout out to everybody who's going to be rocking the Nintendo <laughs> Nintendo thing. I love people from Nintendo. I just don't care about this stuff. Um, the other story that I find really interesting is another one. There's a bookend to the conversation um around the uh backlash that we saw around far cry 6 last week if you listen to this week's episode then you you know the previous week's episode because you're listening to this one listen to last week's episode then you heard my stance about like how everybody blew this conversation up into this bigger thing that it didn't need to be folks in the press a while and out given this whole thing this whole conversation it doesn't need to be there so Literally the day that the show went out last week, uh, the head of the narrative, the narrative director on the game, uh, came out with a statement, um, that I think was pretty interesting. And I think it was pretty good. Um, and I, and I, and I appreciate the fact that they discussed it, um, in a way that felt, um, pretty, pretty smart. I think it, it, here's the thing that bugged me about it. Not the fact that they said it, not the fact that they did the statement after after Ubisoft said that they weren't going to call this game political and say that there was no political real lean to it. I think that part is fine. What, what I think is interesting, and let me see if I can find the actual part of the conversation. So Naveed Kavari, who is the narrative director of Far Cry 6, says, you know, it says a story about a modern revolution must be uh, political. Does there are hard, relevant discussions in Far Cry Six about the conditions that lead to the rise of fascism in the nation, causes of the cost of imperialism, forced labor, and need for free and fair elections, LGBTQI, two, I'm sorry, LGBTQIA plus rights, and more within the context of Yara, a fictional island in the Caribbean. My goal was to empower our team to be fearless in the story we were telling, and we worked to approach our inspirations, which include Cuba but also other countries around the world that have experienced political revolutions in their, in their histories. Um, 
says, in our approach, we made sure to seek out creators and collaborators for our team who can speak personally to the history and cultures of the regions where we are inspired by. We also brought on experts and consultants to examine the game's story multiple times over the course of the project to make sure it was, feel, to make sure it was being told with sensitivity. It is not for me to decide if we succeeded, but I can say that we absolutely tried. I, again, there's a little bit more to that conversation. Uh, to that statement. Um, and we want to have him on the show to talk about all the things around Far Cry 6 because I'm really excited about it. But the funny part about all of that was is the exact same thing that I said was going to happen from folks in the press is exactly what happened on social media where they were damned if they did and they were damned they didn't. And a lot of people who I had in my circles were like, well, this feels like this is a PR play for them to do all this stuff now that they've said that it wasn't political and now to kind of throw this person out there and just have him say what it is and it's political is now like this weird backing up and double speak that they didn't need to do. And it, it's also like weirdly PR now because all the people who got mad are now, uh, you know, doing this kind of work. I, again, don't understand what people want dudes shared his thought of course it was a little bit too late it should have led with that as that part of the conversation but if you were go like if you did the work and you said it this is what it is and this is the kind of inspirations and this is the kind of stuff that's here uh, it, either applaud the fact that they did it or don't be mad at the fact that they did like I don't understand what the middle ground is for folks in this position where if it doesn't hit exactly where it is, where it's supposed to hit, which we knew was going to be the initial statement from Ubi. And then they circle back and say, well, let's re-examine that. Let's put out at least a statement to say what this is, which I think was a well thought out version of what that version of that statement should be. Why shit on it as being now, this is now this put this PR poll, and now this is his PR move for them to decide to do this now after the fact. I just don't understand what that means for people. I just don't know what that means. Like the, even the title of the Polygon article, at least this one from Owen Good is like Far Cry 6 writer. Yeah, our game is political. No shit. Like it's the same thing that everybody thought before they got mad, when they got mad and before they got mad. Everybody knew that it was a political game and then they just reaffirmed it after denying it, which was dumb. And then they just affirmed that it is. Let's keep moving and see what the game looks like and see if they actually nail whatever those things are going to wind up being um, for that, which I think, again, is the actual story here that, that makes sense is like, let the game come out, let them figure it out. Everyone calm the fuck down and then have the discussion once it's actually out in the world and you can make a good informed decision about what the thing is as opposed to getting mad. Last story of the week uh, for this episode was Herman Holst, uh, head of Sony and uh, head of PlayStation, I should say, uh, lit the internet on fire this week in a PlayStation blog interview. Uh, or I should say today lit the, lit the internet on fire um, with a pretty interesting answer to a pretty reasonable question that came from the PlayStation blog. There's a longer version of the entire interview that is on um on soundcloud on their soundcloud to be able to do that kind of stuff 
Um, so they ask the question, they ask a bunch of questions about what's going on in the space. And I'm going to show some tweets from some things that I thought were, were pretty interesting is how does the PS4 factor into PlayStation studios development vision? Is it a, is it still a focus internally for future game development? Herman says is very much is you can't build a community of over 110 million PS4 owners and then just walk away from it. Right. I think that'd be bad news for PS fan, uh, PS4 fans, and frankly, not very good for business. Where it makes sense to develop a title for both PS4 and PS5 for Horizon Forbidden West, the next God of War, GTA 7, GT7, not GTA 7, GT7, will continue looking at that. And if PlayStation owners, PlayStation 4 owners, want to play that game, then they can. If they want to go on and play the PS5 version of that game, it will be there for them. That being said, it is also very important to have showpieces for PS5, hence development of Returnal and Ratchet that are exclusive to PS5. Okay. Shout out to R-Star Games in the chat. Here's what made me laugh at all of this. Because there was... Thank you, TD, for putting a link in the chat. So... I put out, a, I read that because I saw all this weird energy on the internet today about, yo, why did PlayStation lie? Why are people full of crap? Uh, they lied to all the PS5 owners. Why would they do that? This is a weird, terrible thing for them to have done. I read that article and had the Scooby-Doo face because I was like, I don't understand what is the bad thing here. What is the actual problem here? I don't know what that problem actually is because it doesn't make sense for that to be the problem. So if we're saying that this is a new issue, like what does that actual issue in a real way mean? Because I'm confused as, as to what that thing is supposed to be. And it doesn't make sense for that to be a part of the, a part of the issue here. So I, I am I am confused as to why this particular thing is supposed to be so bad, but also really confused at the fact that this does nothing but make massive amounts of business sense. What I tweeted was, I'll listen to the full Herman Holst interview, but I'm confused as to why folks are mad. Everything he shared just made good business sense. Um, and you can't abandon the PS4 install base yet without having enough PS5s in the market. Sony needs to put more games on PC, which I fully think is real. I think they need to put more games on PC. I, I think Horizon was a good idea. I'm still confused as to why um, there is no uh, Last of Us yet on PC. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me yet. Um, but I, but I got a lot of responses back on Twitter and I, I want to share some of them because I don't understand why people are, are, are salty in the way that they are. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me, um, to see those things be in the, in the ether. Um, let me see if I can pull some of those things up because I think, I think it's going to be interesting to see what that winds up being. Um, one person shared, he says, they did it every other generation and beat the competition. So why is it changing now? It says, why is it becoming a thing now to see that be a part of it? 
by buying a PS5, I invested in future tech and next-gen experiences not to be held back by the past. Again, that doesn't make any sense to me as a, as a, as a concept, as an idea of what that game is supposed to be, of what that thing is supposed to look like, what that means for the future. It doesn't mean that if they are making a game in tandem, PS4 to PS5, that you're getting a port from a PS4 game to PS5. If anything, it would work in reverse where you get a game for PS5 that gets ported to 4. It probably works in reverse where you're now getting this better version of this game that probably works better than the one that you already had. Uh, and, 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 it, and it makes more sense to be able to get that game as the one that is going to be there for you. And also PS4 folks get a chance to play it too. I'm wild confused at why people are super upset by that whole thing, because it just doesn't make any sense. Like this idea that, oh, wow. Like I, I am not going to get the game that I wanted to get because PS4 folks are going to have that game. People are talking about this game God of War, whatever it may be, as it not being exclusive anymore. It is going to be on a Sony system. It is not going to not be on a Sony system. So for people who are like wild upset, I'm really confused at that. It doesn't make any sense. It's a weird take to have. People are like, yo, I don't want this game on anybody else's console. Micros like here's the wild thing about Sony fanboys right now. The beef was before was, um, well, we don't want Microsoft people having our games. We don't want PS5 exclusives, Sony exclusives to go to PS, PS5, I'm sorry, to go to Xbox. They are now so wild out that they don't even want games going to other systems in their own ecosystem. That shit is wild and makes no sense to me. People are like, well, the PS4 at this moment in time sold just a, like the PS5 has sold more units than the PS4 did at launch in this amount of time frame. That is also a not smart argument. There are a lot of people who were not very smart today on the internet when they came across thinking that that was supposed to be the like, I got you, Kai. That was the thing that was supposed to be the smart take in terms of all these conversations. And it's not smart. It's not a smart take. It's like really not smart actually, because the problem winds up being is that when you have that as your take, what it winds up saying is, well, if the, if, if all those consoles were out, at the same time under the same circumstances, which we absolutely are not in, which is the actual argument here is that we are not in the same time. We're not in the same time. There are lots of different things that are happening right now 
that are very, very different. The first thing is we are in a pan goddamn demic pandemic is the thing that squashes all this other nonsensical beef that people have right now. It doesn't make any sense. That part doesn't make any sense. Um, the other part of that, that, that also just is weird and stupid is that we're talking about sales to sales. That means that everything in the market would have to be exactly the same. And they're not, we are currently in a huge Silicon drought in terms of the way you find the materials to make the things that electronics are made of. It is harder to find some of that stuff right now because of the way that we have burned through a whole bunch of things on the planet. So to be like, well, they put out the same amount of, 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 of consoles in the same amount of time. That also is weird because if you think about it, there are people who still can't find a PS five. There are people right now who can't find PS fives. It's not like PS fives are just on the shelf right now and you can just walk up to a store and be like, I want a PS five. Give me a PS five. And you walk out of the store with a PS five. That's not the way it works right now. And if you have a PS five right now, you should be fine. You are ahead of the curve. You already have the thing that everybody else is coveting and wants right now. So for like you to be mad at other people for getting the chance to play the thing in, and I will say a probably not as good version because the technology isn't as good, then you have no reason to complain. There's literally nothing to complain about right now. You are in a space of like high, uh, um, uh, privilege to be like, Hey, this thing that I bought, which I wanted to be the future of gaming, which will be the future of gaming. And I got er that early. I got when it launched and we haven't really been, we haven't had PS fives out for a year yet. And we already heard from everybody at PlayStation that there was going to be a lack of consoles in the space that you won, you won the game. You got the chance to get the thing and you have the thing and you are going to be playing the stuff that when it comes out, Ratchet and Clank, God of War, that is going to play at the best version of what that game is going to play at because you have the console for it. So people being like, the PS4 version is going to dumb down the PS5 version of it. If you have a PS5 version, then shut the hell up because you're going to be playing the version that's going to be the better version anyway. You don't walk over to the people who are in your own fan base to be like, hey, plebeians who couldn't get a PS5 sucks for you because I got my PS5 and you got to play the PS4 version of it. What does that do? That doesn't do anything. That's super dumb. That doesn't make any sense. Like, what does that even have to do with anything? Like, I don't understand what the actual argument here is because it just doesn't make sense. It's super weird that that's the thing that people are really upset about when, again, the whole reason Sony and Microsoft went to a x86 architecture 
is so that it makes it easier to make games for multiple platforms so that you can play those games on multiple platforms. That's the reason why they went back to x86. They went out of, they changed all the stuff that was in the PS3 so that when it got to the PS4, that they would be able to do that work in a better and easy way so that PS5 games would be great. PS4 games would be great. Again, there is a technological difference between the two consoles in a way that makes sense because you want the newer thing to do a newer thing. But if you bought a new thing, why are you worrying about the old thing? You already bought the new thing. You already are good. It makes no sense. I don't understand the fanboy mindset that just says, you know, people are like, oh, well, Sony lied about this thing. Again, I doubt anybody who was there who would be there trying to get that to get that to like ramp up. They're building out all this stuff, right? And they're getting all that stuff together. And they're like, hey, we want to build out this new system. We're going to build out all this stuff. We're going to make the specs real dope. I doubt even anybody like Mark Cerny wasn't like, yo, let's build this console and then have a pandemic that that's going to screw up not only production, but, um, uh, 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 you know, consoles getting out into the world, all that kind of stuff. Oh, and also let's have scarcity across Silicon where that's going to be a thing that makes GPUs, CPUs, motherboards, all that kind of stuff that makes up a console and says, Hey, well, we're just going to make PS4 games now to screw our customers. That doesn't make sense. That's so uh, super dumb. That's super stupid. It makes absolutely no sense from a, from a, from a space of understanding how video games work. It just doesn't make any sense. It makes no sense. And also people who are getting in my ass on Twitter about the idea around uh, with me saying stuff about like um, uh, P, uh, Sony games and Sony exclusives should go to P to go to PC. Like I had, so I had some random tweets in there too. That was like super weird about like, what, what does that even mean? It doesn't make any sense. So let me see. Let me see if this will come up. Uh, if I, if I can get this to work, um, big KOR says it's not about hating money. Cause that's what I was saying. I was like, why are people mad about this? Do they hate money? And he says, it's not about hating money. It's the value of exclusivity sells more than their brand, putting it directly on PC that would degrade their brand image of having the best exclusives that they are able to leverage PS five tech, the best PC ports sell even after a year or so. That makes no sense. That makes no sense. It tells me that people who say a thing like that don't understand that the PC market is a market. People who I know who are like strictly off consoles who are like, I don't need to, why would I buy a console when my con when my, when my PC will run any game that they have here two to three times better with more options to do more cool stuff. They feel like they legit feel like going to console is a downgrade in 
fidelity, in performance, in resolution, and they're not wrong. The problem is that when you frame it that way to say, well, if you put this game out date and date for PC alongside consoles, that it degrades the brand, that makes no sense. All that does, both putting this game out on PS4 and on PC, is puts massive amount of money in, P in, in Sony's pockets to be able to compete with Microsoft, who is spending more money than anybody else right now. Microsoft right now is the Yankees of the 90s when they were spending crazy dough to pull in every free agent that they wanted to win championships. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I think they're smart for doing it. I think it's actually a brilliant move on Microsoft's part because they didn't make all those moves uh, before. They weren't able to do that kind of stuff in that way. It makes way more sense for me to see that be a thing as opposed to whatever they're talking about. Because whatever they're talking about right now makes no sense. Makes no sense. Another tweet that I saw that also was fairly dumb. It's going to block my face because there's a picture in it. Michael Adams says, the reason why a lot of people, including myself, are annoyed is that we have bought a PS5 during a very hard time with money to play these PS5 console exclusives, but now they're changing their mind and they're coming to PS4, so we feel ripped off. What's the point of buying it? Because you have the new thing. Again, you don't have to buy the new thing just because the new thing is out. It doesn't mean that you should feel ripped off because they, as a business, is making a extremely smart business move. That's smart. It does nothing but help Sony is to put as many versions of a thing out until they get enough PS5s into the system. It's not stupid. It's extremely smart for them to do this. It's actually, if you think about the way that they wound up doing this from a Microsoft to a Sony version of this, what Microsoft wind up doing was saying, we'll give you two SKUs. One is our kind of more robust SKU. The other is our kind of lower end SKU. It is not lower in terms of the ability to run certain games. It will just run them at a lower resolution at a cheaper price to do that work. Plus we'll give you backwards compatibility across all of it, which makes sense. Sony didn't do that. One, they didn't put backwards compatibility in it in a way that actually makes sense. And two, they didn't have a second SKU that was that version of a SKU. They just did a one with a disc and one without a disc. That is different. That is not the same. And, and I'm just like, y'all don't understand why you're messing this whole thing up with this conversation that you're having, which makes no goddamn sense. I'm not going to talk about that part anymore. I just want to say Sony is doing a smart thing here of bolstering what they can to be able to get to the next layer until they have more consoles in the channel. And if you don't understand that, that's not my fault. That's not people who are smarter than you's fault. 
That's not for people who understand how the business works and really understand what this means. It just means you just don't know how things work and that's okay. But I would much rather you say, I don't know how it works. <laughs> As opposed to coming out on Twitter and being mad loud and wrong. Anyway, I want to say, I love you all. Thank you all so much for watching the Spot to Be podcast this week. <laughs> Chat has been fantastic. You've been brilliant. Uh, again, we are here every week, uh, Wednesday night, 6 p.m. PST uh, on twitch.tv slash spawn on me. Again, thank you so much to our guest this week, Eli Harris, for coming through and rocking with us and being brilliant. Um, and again, so cool to be able to have you all here with us, uh, rocking here every week. Uh, we hope to see you here next week. Uh, we have some cool stuff coming down the pipeline. I don't know what we're going to do for E3, to be to be honest. Um, I was hoping to be hosting some stuff during E3 and I didn't get picked for any E3 stuff. So I'm fine with that. I'm I'm, I'm crying. I'm crying a little bit on the inside. You just can't see it. Um, but um, we'll probably be doing some 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 streams during E3. Uh, I'll try to see if I can snag some folks kind of last minute to see if they want to rock and do some, do some coverage. But it's also, again, like I'm going to be working. So I don't know. It may be late night streams doing stuff like that uh, to make it all happen. So again, thank you everybody for coming through in the chat. Thank you everybody for being here this week and every week. Uh, I'm going to give some love to the folks on the, in the after show really fast uh, here on Twitch. But if you're listening to the podcast, please subscribe. Please tell everybody about our show. Please give us five star ratings on Apple podcasts. Uh, and we'll see you all next week here on spawn on me and the spawn on me podcast. I will see you all very, very soon. Peace. <laughs>